Elliot, did you hear there's a new comic book coming out that's going to tell the story of Darth Vader's first days in the Galactic Empire? Yeah, um, Marvel's already done one series, but it took place later on in, uh, in Vader's life. Yeah, this one is uh, going to be written by Charles Soule. He's like the, the hot name right now at Marvel, and he's going to focus on Vader's first days working for the Empire. Yeah, I can't wait for the comic showing Lord Vader filling out the new hire packet from the HR department. But it's going to be a little awkward when he gets to fill out the beneficiary information on his 401k. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrano. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say... Get a life. A construction job of that magnitude would require a hell of a lot more manpower than the Imperial Army had to offer. I'll bet they brought independent contractors in on that thing. Plumbers, aluminum siders, roofers. And not just Imperials. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. In order to get it built quickly and quietly, they'd hire anybody that can do the job. Think the average stormtrooper knows how to install a toilet main? All they know is killing in white uniforms. All right, so they bring in independent contractors. Why are you so upset at its destruction? All those innocent contractors brought in to do the job were killed. Casualties of a war they had nothing to do with. All right, look, you're a roofer. Some juicy government contract comes your way. You got a wife and kids, the two-story in suburbia. This is a government contract, which means all sorts of benefits. Along come these left-wing militants and blast everything within a three-mile radius with their lasers. You didn't ask for that. You have no personal politics. You're just trying to scrape out a living. Geek Counter Geek number 85, the Super Bowl Shuffle Edition. I'm Keith Conrad alongside uh, Elliot Serrano at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter, at Elliot Serrano on Twitter, at Geek Counter Geek, uh, Facebook.com slash Geek Counter Geek, uh, Geek Counter Geek at gmail.com. I think I'm covering everybody there. Yeah, um, you know, there are lots of ways to reach out to us, interact with us, uh, tell us what topics you'd like for us to cover. Uh, tell us that you agree with us or that you think we're idiots, you know, either way. I mean, uh, and, and in every way, you'd be right. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And, and if you uh, if you don't agree with us, listen again, and, and chances are we'll, we'll come up with something you, uh, you you like. And and if you like what you're saying, what what we're saying, I mean, it, it's really only a matter of time before we do something to, to piss you off. Right. And, and we invariably will change our minds. So yeah, at some yeah. point. Yeah, at some point when we disagree, we will then agree. So, especially especially me, you know, anybody makes a, a halfway convincing argument, I'm like, oh yeah, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> well, there there's still some arguments that you just can't you just can't win right now. So, you know, right, uh, you know, healthcare, uh, you know, who knew it would be so complicated? I I know it's amazing. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of things people can't uh, can't agree on, so uh, last week was the the big confrontation they've been building up for a, a couple seasons now on Star Wars Rebels between Obi Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul, and um, you know I mean, were they really building up the whole thing? I mean, yes, Darth Maul had been looking for something, and he'd been like tormenting poor Ezra Bridger, you know, and Ezra is just going like. Flip, flipping out here and there, and you know what that gets me is that Ezra like is like 
flipping out and almost like kills a dude at one point if they don't stop him. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, eh, whatever. Let him keep his lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, you think that would that would at least uh, you know? And yet, when uh, Sabine was was trying to train, uh, they wouldn't let her use the lightsaber at the beginning. Oh yeah, because you could hurt somebody. Yeah, because that would be too dangerous. You know, yeah, so, holding yeah, women back even in Star Wars. Yeah, really. Let the weapons expert have to get up, take all the precautions. Let the hot-headed young kid who's seeing shit. Yeah, let's give him one of the deadliest weapons in the galaxy. Right. <laughs> so, I, I, it seems like people are pretty equally divided. Uh, you know, people either really liked it or they thought, "Wow, that was it." Because the confrontation—spoiler uh, alert—the confrontation between uh, Darth Maul and um, Obi Wan Kenobi it, it lasts about. 12 seconds and um you know i i actually really liked it because to me just based on what happens in their lightsaber duel like obi-wan kenobi completely patterned his uh, his fighting style on beating darth maul like it, it seems like that's what he was doing <laughs> you beat darth maul couldn't beat vader though I mean, because yeah. Because you you look at them and uh, you know, and I'm not sure if they were really going for this or if it just kind of came off that way to me. But he he seems to like try to fool Maul into thinking he's going to fight like Qui Gon Jinn, and then when when Darth Maul you know tries to kill him in the same way that he did uh, Qui Gon Jinn, he uh, he he kills him instead. But it's funny because I mean, again, he has beaten him in the past and. It was one of those, you know, Obi-Wan holds a distinction of kind of like being the only, well, okay, I take, and not really, he didn't really beat a Sith Lord because Maul was still an apprentice when he beat him in The Phantom Menace. And I guess the only one who's really beaten a Sith Lord in um, the Star Wars uh, saga move, films was uh, Anakin because he beats Dooku. So, um... That's that's just a level of power that you're talking about there. But we also know, too, that well, Darth Maul was l- literally half a person. I mean, it was all cybernetics, you know, from his waist down. Yeah. So yeah. so it's like that whole bit where, um, again, revisiting the whole Vader himself was more machine than man, so he wasn't as powerful as he was when he was whole. Yeah, and it's funny because I have a friend who's a big Star Wars fan, and um, he actually had not seen uh, Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels. So I was sort of casually mentioning, "Hey, yeah, in Rebels, it takes right play, takes place right before A New Hope," and you know, oh, they're really building up the fact that Obi Wan Kenobi is going to face off against Darth Maul, and he's like, "Darth Maul's dead. He got cut in half." And then I had yeah. to explain, yeah. well, yeah, even though he got cut in half, they decided he lived through that. <laughs> it's like it's like soap dish where they bring back Kevin Klein's character. It, it is exactly like that. I wonder if George Lucas was, uh, was watching that when he made that decision. Because I, I think I read somewhere that he was one of the big proponents of bringing back Darth Maul. Darth Maul, right, because it was this great character that was overexposed in the beginning and then hardly seen at all and then everyone's like wow you 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 put all the, the you put them all over the toys and the banner and you you make this great design of a character and we hardly see him i to me that was probably one of the most annoying bits about the uh, the prequel trilogy is that you you did create 
you know, this great character, and I was expecting to see Darth Maul's sort of his his arc throughout the prequels, you know. And he was just a, such such a, a cool looking character that I thought it was going to be a direct line from Darth Maul to. Uh, you know, Darth Vader, that, that Vader right. is eventually going to replace Darth Maul. Right. You know, and it had the big face-off between, you know, um, Anakin and Maul. So, eh, anywho. Um, but it, the, Dave Filoni has come out, you know, the director, and you know, showrunner on Rebels came out, and he talked about why the confrontation between Kenobi and Maul went down the way it did. And... Uh, by the way, uh, in, 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 in the, for the purposes of full disclosure, I have yet to see this episode, all right? I saw the first part, okay? I have yet to see the second part when um, Ezra and, and Kanan and, um, and Darth Maul all go to Tatooine to see Obi-Wan. So, yeah, but it didn't matter because everybody on Twitter was spoiling it. The episode just <laughs> aired over the weekend, and everyone's doing their end memoriams and rest in peace Darth Maul bits and everything. I'm like, oh, great. Well, at least I know how that ended. Well, so, at, at least I'm not the one who spoiled it for you. I'd, I'd feel well, kind of bad about that. Yeah, no, I was spoiled way before then. But, I mean, of, of course, you know that Maul's not around anymore, so that's kind of like the way it had to end, you know, when you think about it. Um, I ha now, uh, mind you, I haven't seen the episode yet, so if there are any references to Luke in there, all right, but don't tell me. because uh, then My lips are sealed. All right, because that's a big part of it, too, in that, you know, Obi-Wan is on Tatooine looking after Luke, who, by my calculations, if it takes place when I think it takes place, is about the same age as Ezra Bridger should be. So um, there's some that should be some interesting um, um, parallels going on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you know, like like I said, it seems equally divided. A lot of you know, some people seem to think you know it was sort of the perfect uh, perfect end for that for that whole arc. Um, I, I you know I wonder if Clone Wars had continued a little bit. I wonder if that would have ended in in Clone Wars as opposed to carrying on. And the only reason that that it ended up carrying on into Rebels. You know, as long as it did, like you know, like twenty-ish years, um, I, I, you know, I wonder if that was simply because Clone Wars ended before they planned on it. That's a good. That's a good question. I'm wondering, you know, if anyone's ever asked Dave Filoni that. I know that, um, you know, when they when they shuttered Rebels as they did, and you know, for folks who weren't aware, it's because that was essentially because once Disney bought the um, Star Wars property, all of Clone Wars didn't fall, fall under them anymore. It was a different studio, different property, different license. So then by uh, <clears throat> by bringing it into the Disney family, they said, okay, we can't, we're not doing Clone Wars anymore. Uh, we'll start and we'll do a bit, and, you know, do a Rebels bit. And Filoni is able to say, okay, well then I'll, um, you know, I'm going to we'll, we'll revisit a few of those threads from Clone Wars because there is a lot there, you know, you can pick up on. Uh, drop a few things there with Saul Guerrero so that, you know, you can throw him into um, the Rogue One movie. And, yeah, there were all these things. I was watching an interview with um, with Pablo Hidalgo um, where he was talking about all these um, threads that ran through Clone Wars and Rebels that did kind of, uh, you know, uh, were visited within Rogue One. 
Mm-hmm. So this the story group's doing a lot of overarching bits, which which I think is great. Um, but you know, it, it, I think it invites a lot of nerd nitpickery. <laughs> nerd nitpickery, and um, you know, Star Trek eventually ran into a problem where there was so much material out there between you know, a, you know, series and books and and movies. That uh, you know, if you were writing a new story, there was like so much you had to fit in, you know, and you had a you had a, you know, sort of tip your cap to and make reference to, that it got kind of unwieldy after a while, and you know, they're, they're really they're talking about doing even more stuff with Star Wars, so that might get out of hand at some point. Yeah, as someone who has designs on one day writing something for Star Wars, you know, and then I mean, I've got. How many uh, paper, how many books and comics and things that I'm trying to keep up with, you know, just so I know what happens where, you know. So yeah, no, it is. It's really un- it can be really unwieldy. It reminds me a bit of um, when Marvel created the quote unquote ultimate universe where they jettisoned. You know, they started all over again because they didn't want to have um, to deal with all the continuity issues that characters like Spider-Man, the Avengers, and the X-Men had. So they said, we're going to start over so that way new readers can come in and they don't have to worry about the past. And uh, within a matter of like three, four very short years, the Marvel Ultimate comic book lines got just as complicated and unwieldy with their with their um, backstories and all that as the main Marvel Universe did. Yeah. which was, like, ridiculous. It was also alienating, you know, new readers. And I think that's why they uh, why they ditched the expanded universe the way they did. It wasn't meant as any, you know, sort of middle finger to the, you know, the people who had written it and the and the fans who, who liked it. It was the fact that, you know, when you're writing new stories, you want them, you want them to be new. You don't, you, don't, um, you don't necessarily want to make a movie out of, you know, one of the existing, uh, you know, Jedi Academy books because... You know the story you want to tell might not necessarily fit with that, and and so it was, it was best you know as far as they were concerned to just start all over the clean slate. I'm still mad that you know Jackson the Space Rabbit is gone though. You know. We all are. We all are. And and you know <laughs> they they you know I I saw some uh, some internet comment comments. That's right. I, I read internet comments. Uh, you know, talking about how how quick the Obi Wan Kenobi Darth Maul thing was, and and you know, like I said, I I thought it was really, it, it was quick, but it was it was well executed, and you know, to me, the Ahsoka fight with Darth Vader was a lot more annoying because that was that was a lot of build up over, you know, from pretty much the moment she was introduced in Rebels, you know, everybody was was thinking, oh, when is she going to meet up with Darth Vader? And not only did, you know, she presumably get killed, maybe not, but presumably, uh, you know, in their first meeting, but it was very quick. And uh, I, th- I think, um, you know, I think it would have been a lot better if they if she would have uh, continued on in, in some way. But it's not over yet, so she might. It's not. No, actually, Dave, also, that's another thing that Dave Filoni has come out and said that um, he does have the like the ultimate fate uh, you know the final resolution of ahsoka tano's story there he's got it it's just it's going to take them some time to tell it so uh, yeah. we'll see 
But yeah, no, that's right. With, with that is yeah, you're right with that. It, there seems to be a lot of well, a lot. Of, it's very long form storytelling that's going on with the the television series, you know, the cartoons, you know, the books. Even if you read the books, you know, many books, you know, kind of string out over one over the other, and. On the one hand, you know, I guess it's cool that they can tell, you know, these types of stories in the long form. On the other hand, there, there are times I'm like, look, just give me my give me my story. Give me my beginning, my middle, my end, and boom. You know, that's essentially what I, people go to the movies for. Right. You know, yeah. I wish they'd do probably a little bit more of that with the books and the TV shows. Well, I guess the good news is that in some way the, uh, you know, the, the standalone anthology movies – well, they were kind of meant to be like that, but you know, I guess mm-hmm. if you're if you're telling the story of Han Solo, it's got to match up with the other stuff somewhere. Yeah, and you know, and it's for different markets, I'll admit, and it kind of like helps you know keep your your Star Wars appetite whetted as you're waiting for the movies, you know, as you go along. And I know that's very deliberate, you know, from the Disney folks. You know, they're very very smart in how they're doing it. Um, yeah. Th- those Disney people—they know how to squeeze some money out of you. Yeah, really. So, so yeah. I, 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 once I finally see this episode with um, with the, the the final confrontation between between Obi Wan and Darth Maul, although I hear they share a tender moment afterwards. You know? They they do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, then I'll then I'll I'll uh, I'll kind of like decide how I feel about the whole thing. So. It's not even the season finale. There's still a couple more episodes to go. Yeah, that's uh, that's the interesting part. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, shows seem to be doing that now, where they'll you know sort of like the the season long arc will will wrap up a little bit uh, a little bit earlier, and then the the season finale just ends up setting up what the next season arc is going to be. Right. I'm just I'm very curious as to you know because you've pretty much put a bow in the whole. Darth Maul thing. I mean, the only thing that's left now is a you know start bringing bringing back a Vader and and his his issue with the the rebels. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't shown up more, but that may be based on James Earl Jones' build uh, availability. Ah, uh, yeah, they better get you know if they're going to have him, just keep working at him. <laughs> right, well, no. what they're probably actually going to do is just have uh, James Earl Jones sit in a. Uh, sit in a studio and record every word in the English language. That way they can just piece it together. Piece it together. There we go yeah. again. You know, have, have James Earl Jones just, oh yeah, just sit down for, you know, sit in a studio and then I just write, all do all this, these different lines of dialogue. You know, I mean, when you really think about it, I mean, what does Vader really say? Well, I, I was about to say, that's all the bad that. thing about uh, George Lucas not being in charge anymore, because when he was writing everything, you could pretty much predict what the dialogue was going to be, uh, <laughs> you know, several movies out. And, and now that there's new writers, you know, maybe it's a little less predictable. Just, you know, call for my Star Destroyer. <laughs> you don't understand the power of the dark side. Something, I mean, I something think, dark side. Dark side, really. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, underutilized characters from uh, classic movies, uh, so Edward James almost has announced that he's going to be back in uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and I'll get into another example of this in uh, in in just a second. But uh, like they're already filming Blade Runner twenty forty nine, aren't they? I mean, they're. 
Yeah, they're in Budapest. Yeah, because because they already had a they already had a teaser trailer, and there was footage of you know Ryan Gosling and uh, and uh, Harrison Ford. So they're already hip deep in this. How did we not know that he was going to be in it before? Did they just make him sign a uh, you know non disclosure agreement, and he actually stuck to it? Harrison Ford? No, uh, Edward James almost. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, maybe he, I, he's in it. Maybe, or maybe he was not going to be in it, but he lobbied for it, and they went, "Ah, what the hell? Come on in." You know. Yeah, they may just be showing that he still exists in this universe. That's like a a cameo. It, it's and from what I understand, um, it, it's this is supposed to be the first of several Blade Runner movies. Uh, of course it is. And and then you know what's going to happen is it's going to bomb, and then <laughs> none of them will happen. It'll be like one of the many reboots of Terminator. Right. Well, and at least in this case, well, now you, you've got Ridley Scott kind of like revisiting all his old haunts. You know, he's got, he's got an Alien Covenant coming up. Right. You know, and then he's got a Blade Runner movie. Um, and you know that this Alien Covenant movie, after after what happened with Prometheus... If it does well, they're going to want another Alien movie and keep that franchise going. Um, <clears throat> you know, um, um, uh, Ridley Scott uh, said in an interview with EW that uh, the original Blade Runner was supposed to kick off like pretty much a series of films. Um, so I think he's saying that now that they're revis- now that they're doing this, it kind of like you know. It's like a soft, soft reboot, as you might call it. Um, if this one, yeah, if this one does well, you're gonna see more Blade Runner movies. I mean, that's why right. you got, uh, you know, a young Ryan Gosling who now. I mean, really? Why? Why is Ryan Gosling the only guy in Hollywood right now? You know, you know. Remember when when John Cusack was in every movie? <laughs> You know? Those were the days. Yeah, that's kind of what I think of Ryan Gosling right now. He's like, he's like the new John Cusack. Well, I, I hope that that Ryan Gosling is enjoying this right now because you know it can be a cautionary tale for him that you never know when uh, when that's going to stop and you'll just be the guy who's at every Cubs game. <laughs> right. Well, you know the moment Emma Watson shows up in your movie again, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah that that's a that's a that's a bit of a problem. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think, you know, and and I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, Philip K. Dick, but I don't think there was any, I, I don't think any movie series could be based on, uh, the source material. I think that's pretty much exhausted at this point. So I guess it's just sort of the, uh, you know, it would be a series of movies based on the universe that Ridley Scott created as, a, as opposed to the short story. Pretty much. I mean, do androids dream of electric sheep is a very meditative bit on the nature of of humanity and religion you know people um, you know people uh, forget that if you read the first I remember as a teenager when I picked up uh, 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 do Android dream of electric sheep I picked it up and they the um, publisher packaged it as <clears throat> the novelization of the movie. You know, you had the Harrison Ford cover with the blade. It was called Blade Runner with uh, parentheses, you know, Android Stream, blah, blah, blah. And I was expecting it to be more like the film because, you know, I was young and stupid. I didn't realize that, you know, adaptations 
of books could be sometimes nothing like the book. <laughs> and, right, um, yeah. And yeah, and I remember like the first few chapters where it's, you know, Deckard is arguing with his neighbor about the sheep that he owns, the artificial sheep. And and how, you know, that that's a that's a uh, it's classism and you know and and certain uh, certain religions don't allow that and blah blah blah. And I'm like, Oh, this is some weird shit. I forgot how trippy Philip K. Dick could be. He is a little trippy, yeah. And uh, speaking of religion, um, Elliot, <laughs> Elliot, if I say the uh, say the phrase, "What's the deal with circumcision?" What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Honestly, um, Patrick Stewart. Uh, you know what? I, actually, <laughs> I, I I was trying to I was trying to walk you right into a dishing bitches reference, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, you know, Stewart Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. That actually did come up with him. So you, you're you're correct in that. Listen, yes. listen I do you know um, this story. I do not know listen this with story. interest. Uh, well, <laughs> one night, as you do, we were talking about stuff, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I just happened to mention, and of course, being circumcised, I said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they were chatting. They're married. They're married. They're allowed. <laughs> and she said. She said. You're not circumcised. I said, what do you mean? You've only known me a few, all my life. I remember my mother telling me why, because it was fashionable at the time. She said, you're not circumcised. I said, that's ridiculous. I should know if I'm circumcised. End of conversation. But the next day, I happened to be seeing my doctor. (laughs) Are you okay? seeing my doctor for my annual physical. Of course. So, uh, while he was down there, <laughs> I said, uh, Excuse me, Tom. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, Irv, um, the, my wife and I had a little disagreement. Um, <clears throat> I, I am circumcised, aren't I? Because she says I'm not. And he goes, <laughs> Not. <laughs> So he looked down again and he said, hey, I'm Jewish. I know the difference. <laughs> that, is, that is a bizarre story. Too much <laughs> but wait a minute. Now, if the dishing bitches are talking about circumcision, okay, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they have. You know, I'm, 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 I'm guessing I missed that episode. Well, that is one of the topics in the most recent episode. What's the deal with circumcision? Which sounds like a really bad uh, Seinfeld joke. Also sounds like a bad date too. If they're talking about it, it really does. And uh, also, um, Pugs Moran is doing this thing called the the Watch List, and one of their topics is uh, a millennial watches a classic uh, TV TV show. And it, it I, I was thinking about that, and it, it suddenly occurred to me, you know, flipping through Netflix and looking at what's available to me, I absolutely cannot rewatch sitcoms, like. To me, they're they're just completely dated, and I I just get no enjoyment out of them, uh, you know. Once they're once they're off the air for the, you know, from their their first run, I just can't rewatch them. Am I, am I unique in that regard? 
You know, it, for, for me, I'll agree with you to an extent. It depends on the sitcom. I mean, I'm one of those folks that there are episodes of Seinfeld that I like to watch over and over again just because of the, so many different uh, quotes and, and things that just came from that show that ended up in the in the pop culture lexicon. Um, but Friends? No, I can't. I can't watch Friends. Yeah. It's essentially the same episode over and over and over again. Pretty you know, much, can, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can... Um, yeah, Seinfeld is one that uh, is probably the exception that proves the rule because, uh, you know, it, it was such a unique show and, and that is one that, that I can uh, that I can rewatch. But, uh, like, I was, I was trying to watch Cheers, which I really liked when it first ran, and I, was, I lost interest after, like, two episodes. I'm like, okay, okay yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah, the laugh track after a while, you, it becomes really obvious that they're playing, you know, the sh- it, it, you, you start seeing, well, okay, that's the joke, that's a setup, here it comes, blah, 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 and it does get pretty repetitive. Yeah, you know? but one thing that never gets repetitive is all of the podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Good to talk radio didn't die, just went to a better place. <laughs> and if you want to listen to the podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You are always encouraged to do that using headphones and accessories from Tweaked Audio. Tweaked Audio sponsors of Geek Counter Geek with key features like eight colors and styles, uh, mic'd and non-mic'd versions, designed to sound great for both music and talk, noise-reducing design, and a lifetime warranty. So if you visit tweakedaudio.com, check out all the wonderful accessories that they have there, you can use the discount code GCG, that's GCG for Geek Counter Geek at checkout, and get 33% off your total purchase and free worldwide shipping. The discount code is GCG, and it is not case-sensitive. So uh, be sure to check out our sponsors at tweakedaudio.com. Check out their headphones and accessories and listen to Geek Counter Geek. Um, I say go with the TARDIS Blue headset. That's, well, that's I, I, I think that's an excellent choice. Good one. So uh, we, we just mentioned the seemingly last-minute casting of Edward James almost in Blade Runner 2049. And uh, what really... To me, kind of surprising, a bit of casting news came out this uh, over the past few days, and that was that uh, Jason Isaacs is going to be the captain on Star Trek Discovery whenever it actually comes into being, because we're we're still not quite sure about that. But um, Lucius Malfoy, Lucius Malfoy. That's uh, so. So for one thing, uh, you know, as has been mentioned, somewhat. uh, ad nauseum here. Uh, the captain is not going to be the main character in this story. Uh, the captain is going to be, I believe, the first officer, but uh, she's a lieutenant. And I'm drawing a blank on her real name, but she plays Sasha on The Walking Dead. And, spoiler alert, uh, she's not going to be doing both shows. Just, I, I'm just going to throw that out there. Oh, yeah. No, you know, you, you know who's going. Who's going. Well, to me, and I was giving this some thought, because um, there is one thing about Star Trek that always kind of rankled me, and I'm sure it rankled lots of Trek fans. It's something that was even addressed 
in Star Trek The Next Generation, which is, why does the captain of the freaking ship go on all the away missions? I mean, isn't that pretty dangerous? You know, if you let the captain go and he gets killed, then you, you've pretty much, like, set yourself up, you know, for disaster because your your most experienced officer, your senior officer on the ship is now gone. You've now compromised the security of the ship. So I'm wondering if with Discovery, what they're going to do is maybe explain how that sort of thing came into being and we'll usually see the captain of the Discovery staying on the ship while the first mate and others go on missions, you know, and, and, and kind of address that. That could, uh, that could very well be, um, you know, I, it, based on the fact that, you know, the main character is supposed to be this, uh, this lieutenant who's the first officer, I would assume she's going to be on most of the adventures. Like, I, I wouldn't expect that they're going to have episodes where, uh, you know, the captain goes down to the, uh, the planet and, you know, fights a Gorn or something. And, uh, you know, the, the lieutenant is left on board, you know, keeping the ship in, in stable orbit. I, I don't think yeah, that's, that's going to be happening. Right. That never made sense to me. I mean, there, that, that's the thing that as a Star Trek fan, you you learn to accept over time. And even as a, you know, when you're looking at it purely from the writer's point of view, you kind of have to have the captain go on these missions because he's the star of the show, right? You got to have him go out and do those things. But... In, in in a purely, like, any sort of armed forces thing, the general isn't the one who's out there on the front lines. Like, even in, in the Navy, you know, if a boat get, go, is in the Pacific and you need to send a, a team on a boat to go on, you know, ashore on the, on, the, on the island, the captain of the boat's not necessarily leading that mission, right? No, he's sending them off. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's seeing them off at the, uh, at the gangway. Uh, but right. then, he, then he goes back up to his uh, his chair with his with his phone and and you know barks out a few orders again. Right. So that that I, that's the thing where with Star Trek, I, it never made sense to me um, that it happened. At least in tel okay in television terms, sure it makes sense, but in in like actual narrative terms, no. I mean, again, they addressed that in the uh, in Next Generation once where they had. Uh, the 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 uh, in the episode where uh, Picard is interviewing Riker to be his number one and you know to be his second in command and asks him about the Starfleet regulations about captains going on away missions and they have the whole debate there where was their way of kind of like poking at the whole why is the captain putting himself in danger all the time? I'm guessing that Discovery might turn that on its ear a bit. Well, it it might, and it also sort of gets back to the. Uh you know, the sort of enterprise-centric view everybody has of Starfleet, you know, because, you know, when you look at it that way, okay, so Kirk wanted to go on away missions. Nobody's saying no to Kirk. Uh, and uh, Picard, you know, who's going to say no to Picard? But that doesn't mean that's the way the rest of Starfleet operated. Uh, you know, maybe the rest of them, they, the captains were a bunch of pansies and they just stayed on the ship. Someone ought to ask Trump if he wants to go on some away missions. Uh, I think no we, I think we could send him on a few. So no one's going to say no to him because apparently no one ever does. Uh, apparently not. So <laughs> sorry, J Jason I, uh, Jason Isaacs, you know, I I wonder if that's uh, if a that's indicative of how slowly this thing is progressing that they just now cast the captain, 
or if he was cast already and it was just you know they were waiting for a nice lull in star trek news to announce that he was on the sh- on the show because if they literally just cast him i i'm really worried about this thing ever actually coming to coming to tv i've i've been worried ever since brian fuller left i've been worried about it and everything i'm hearing so far about production and pre Reproduction, all that has not been good. You know, keep you in know, mind they they launched uh, they launched a CBS All Access the first of the year. That was supposed to be included when when they launched that thing. That was supposed to be the big red apple that was going to get people to subscribe. You know, so now they're just going, hey, let's uh, we've got the Good Wife, and we've got uh, and that's you know, about, we've we've got uh, we've got the Good Fight and all of your favorites. That's that's what we've got. So so pay us for that. You know, and isn't there like a, another spinoff? Like, no, I'm thinking about the, a Blacklist spinoff, but that's NBC. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but J- yeah. J- you know, Jason Isaacs, you, you don't you don't know what this character is going to be like because it might be sort of like a, a very incompetent captain and, you know, the first officer who, again, is the main character has to pick up all the slack. Uh, but you would think that, for the most part, this character is going to be one of the good guys, which makes it kind of an odd uh, casting choice because he hasn't played a good guy since Armageddon, and uh, Jason Isaacs, like the rest of us, likes to act like that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know who, what anybody was playing in Armageddon. I mean, you know, uh, Bruce Willis was supposed to be uh, a competent, dr- uh, you know, oil driller or whatever, and Ben Affleck was supposed to be an actor. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very weird time. So yeah, I, I'm 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 looking forward to it. I mean, he's he's played uh, well. Doesn't he also play uh, Captain Hook? In um, yes, he does. Yeah. So I mean, he's kind of a a fun, good character in that show, right? As a Once Upon a Time. Oh so, no, he does. He he played uh, he played uh, Captain Hook in another one. Um, yeah, it's another British guy. I know, Elliot. I know all the British people look look alike to you, but it, it's another <laughs> British guy. Well, it's all the it's all the. I know there are how many Captain Hooks and how many of these shows where they're about you know the fairy tales. Yeah, there's the a lot of them now. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, it, I'm just saying, you know, it, I'm I'm ready to give this guy a chance. Um, if the show ever comes out, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, this he looks he looks like Starfleet material to me. I mean, you know, I don't know how he's going to rank with all the other captains, but you know, he looks like Starfleet material. Well, you know, I hate to end the show on a on a divisive note. You know, the, these fractious times that we live in. But um, you know, I, I find myself uh, lately revisiting the the Star Trek captains because. Uh, you know, when, when they first ran, when all the series first ran, I actually would have said that uh, that uh, Benjamin Sisko was my favorite commanding officer. Um, but then I met Avery Brooks at Dragon Con. The guy is absolutely batshit crazy. Uh, and that, oh, has, that, that has tarnished, when I tried to rewatch Deep Space Nine, that tarnished my image of him. Yep. Oh yeah, I've got some experience with Avery Brooks. <laughs> it seems like everybody does. Yeah, yeah. everybody's who who has had any uh, any interactions with him, uh, you know, in in real life, seems to come away going, "Wow, that just happened." Yep. And 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 um, uh, Patrick Stewart, 
has really done a lot for his, you know, not that he needed anything to bolster his reputation, but between that really masterful turn as Professor X and Logan and uh, fostering a pit bull from the ASPCA. Yeah, he's been right all now. over the place with that lately. That's been and, awesome. And people are just, yeah, people are loving him for that. Um, so they're, you know, that, that the love for Patrick Stewart, of course, is going to translate into a little more love for Captain Picard. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think that uh, Janeway is actually would actually be at the bottom of my list, just because uh, there, there there were times there there were times where I think she she seemed like the uh, like the most preachy of the captains. And she used that unsecured uh, unsecured server for her emails, right? You, she she <laughs> did. Yes, that was. I, I just can't get past that, Elliot. But that's well, Starfleet uh, emails that the that the that the, that the uh, Romulans hacked into. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hate it, hate it when that happens. So you know, I hate to go for the obvious answer, but uh, I think for me, I got to go with Kirk. You know, I would have gone with Kirk myself, too. But, uh, you know, again, also personal experience with William Shatner. When I told him he was my favorite captain, didn't stop him from drowning my Jean-Luc Picard action figure in a pitcher of water. So I'm going to give it to Scott Bakula, who actually rescued my action figure and gave it CPR afterwards. See, a true American hero, Scott Bakula. Because when you go Blackula, you can't go Bacula. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at RadioMisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron.